Sometimes I ramble on and I look down at the introduction and we're five, six, seven minutes deep. I don't think this particular guest needs a whole lot of introduction. If you live in St. Louis, if you've been following St. Louis sports, sports scene for the last 30 years, you know who Kelly Chase is. Longtime association with the Blues as a player, as a broadcaster, but also a St. Louis ambassador. Guy ends up in St. Louis from Porcupine Plain, Saskatchewan. That's one of those names that I always said sound made up. These hockey guys would show up, you know, in the States. Hey, where are you from? Moose Jaw? Really? Yellow Knife? Is that made up? But Chaser is from Porcupine Plain, Saskatchewan. That's the real name, and he's called St. Louis home for 30-plus years. He's been doing some work in Nashville last couple of years, but if there's a blues event, you're probably going to run into Chaser. And for years, even in his playing days, he did a ton of events with Jack Buck, Charlie Spoonhour. Uh, anytime there was a cause and a microphone, you'd find Chaser, you'd find Jack Buck. And he's, you know, he's in his mid-50s, not even early 50s, and one of Mike Shannon's best friends. So in this particular interview, we talk about his association with Mike Shannon, friendship with Brett Hull, also the new venture he's involved with, medical marijuana, and how the NHL has actually been real progressive about getting treatment for former players who not only the aches and pains, um, just a number of health issues that can be treated through medical marijuana. And now Chaser and his business partners, I think it's Barrett Jackman, Cam Jansen, and Brett Hull are all involved in this project I know there's a dispensary in Chesterfield Valley called Hippos that they are a part of. So we talk a lot about that movement, that industry that he's now a part of. For a guy who's never done drugs or smoked a joint, he said he had to do a little bit of homework to understand why this can be so beneficial. So that's the beginning of the interview. And then we get into just the great stories over the years. Oh, and we break a little news about Humphreys, our SLU alums and Billiken fans probably have noticed that the iconic bar on the SLU campus is going through a little bit of renovation and there hasn't been much or anything reported or said about it but we kind of stumble into that thought too chaser with some updates on what's next for Humphreys and maybe a tale of a night years ago at Humphreys when he and Twister beat the crap out of some people (laughs) I tell you what people get drunk they're stupid you think you're going to take on Tony Twist and Kelly Chase in their mid-20s I mean, how much did you have to drink to think that was a good idea? Kelly Chase, and this was a recent Legend series on KTRS Radio, so it's myself and Brendan Weesey from KTRS talking with the former Blues player, Kelly Chase. The Kill Coin Conversation, as always, is presented by B&G Tuck Pointing. BGTuckPointing.com, that is their website, 363-0525. We'll get you a free estimate for the Tuck Pointing work foundation repair, waterproofing. They do all of that. B and G, Bella and Gabby. Those are Rich Galati's daughters. It's a family business. BG, tuckpointing.com. Marie DeVilla Senior Living. They are located at the corner of Clayton and Wideman Road. Just such a great spot for your senior years. It's a beautiful campus in West County. Right now, the Christmas tree is up. If you're anywhere in that area, I always say swing by Clayton and Wideman Road huge outdoor Christmas trip. Hop out, take a photo. Fred doesn't care. Great spot for your senior years. Villa Estates, assisted living. Take a virtual tour at mariedevilla.com. Appliance discounters, their savings 
are your savings. Think about that. Their savings are your savings, which means they get a great deal buying bulk when it comes to appliances, and they're able to store them in the giant warehouse in St. Louis, so you get a great deal and delivered quickly. That's all you hear about right now is the, what's it, the the, the chain, the power, the, I'm forgetting the phrase now, supply, supply chain. They don't have that issue at all because they've got tons of inventory. Check out the great General Electric merchandise. Maybe get a GE rebate on top of that. Theappliancediscounters.com. Get it delivered in days. Don't be waiting months. All around St. Louis and now always on the web. Theappliancediscounters.com. Find out why this has become a St. Louis success story for more than a decade now. Selling you the big name appliances at the lowest prices. Theappliancediscounters.com. The and Triad Bank, one of my longtime sponsors. It truly is the neighborhood-friendly bank right there on Clayton Road in Frontenac. On the web, it's triadbanking.com. Home loan, car loan, business loans. So many businesses in town have figured it out. If you're going to be doing some banking, why not do it with the St. Louis-based bank? Five-star rated bank. Triadbanking.com. And now the Kill Coin Conversation with Kelly Chase. You are in town doing a lot of work. You've been making the rounds. Well, we're going to get to the whole career, and as you joked earlier, that won't take long, but there's a lot to talk about. But let's start with the venture because you've got Hippos opening in Chesterfield, yourself, Brett Hull, Barrett Jackman, I think Cam Jansen. Tell folks about this venture. Well, it's uh, I have, uh, with a group of, of investors, uh, been fortunate enough to get our medical marijuana licenses and so it's fully integrated so we've got we we grow it we have a cultivation facility and we have a manufacturing facility and we have three dispensaries and one of them being our hippos dispensary in chesterfield in the valley next to espino so we've been very uh, lucky to get the licenses it's been a lot of work and a lot of years of of uh, writing letters and and writing applications and obviously get it being legalized in the state and then um, we kind of got into it through, um, you know, the lesion and, and the sort of the issues I was having with uh, brain lesion and watching how it had impacted different different uh, people in different in various needs of it um, and, and different strains with epilepsy, with uh, Parkinson's, with you know, uh, cancer patients, and and uh, and then when I, I when I retired, I got involved a lot now with the alumni association, and I'm watching the chronic pain with guys and stuff. And I just look. I've never smoked. I still have never smoked uh, marijuana in my life. I've never. I never did drugs as a player, and there was a couple reasons why. One, I I thought I probably liked them. So if I was to take on cocaine, it would have been full throttle, and I didn't want to have that. And secondly, I wasn't good enough to be caught with anything like that because I would have been kicked out of the league, and nobody was going to spend the time or the energy on a guy that was you know, a fourth-line player that had problems. And so I just never, ever was involved, and I always looked at it like it was this awful drug that, you know, this is the... And then and then as it turned out, the more educated I got, the more I found out about all of the... the properties of it that can help you and that's how i got involved in it and uh, we built a company now and, and it's been exciting what is your your current health status and you've had some ups and downs you referenced it what's, yeah. what what's the current state of kelly chase your, your health i feel great and uh you know the lesion they i went through the infusion center and and got you know some treatments and um you know 10 years back and it looks like we've been able to keep everything at bay and and so it was a sore on my gray matter that caused my 
face on my left side of my cheek and my left hand to be numb. Um, it was on my right crown of my head, so it affected my left side. <clears throat> um, since then, I've been fortunate because I was able to, um, you know, shrink the lesion through the infusion center, but still go back to normal and everything was fine. So aside from the chronic pain you have from the, or what do they say every day you play hockey is like, it's another car accident. Well, we have about 200 car accidents a year and you compound that with 13 years of pro and it, it adds up a bit, but you know, at the end of the day, I feel very fortunate. I wouldn't change very much and I feel pretty healthy. So, um, uh, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones and, uh, I've been very, very fortunate to, to be able to start this company too, to kind of be able to, you know, utilize some of the uh, opportunities that the CBD and the NTHC have given us, and whether it be ointments or or edibles or whatever, to you know, it's been help to a lot of people. It's Hippos. It's located in the Chesterfield Valley, next to Espinos. It's a, a new venture. Your former Blues players are behind. I'm curious, and you mentioned the the collisions and the the equivalent of playing hockey, but you also were a fighter. So it's in addition to being a hockey guy, also the fights that went into it i'm wondering your fellow enforcers have you heard from them now about how they're doing and how this is even an opportunity for them to, to feel better yeah it's not so much just the enforcers i think it gets tagged a lot you know i think the chronic pain with guys is not you know the fighting it's yeah okay it infect your hands but i mean the shoulders and the knees and the you know stuff like that the guys are going through and look martin we everyone know you'd be a hypocrite to say that that the opi- that we don't have an opiate problem, okay? Like it would be, it would be, you know, we know we do, and in the country, and I think um, this is a great alternative for chronic pain. If you're one of those guys that has moved to Canada and loves the social health care system that they have there, and then you get put on a list for an operation, and two years down the road you're still on the list, and you haven't had that operation yet, and you're trying to take painkillers and cope. You, it becomes addictive, and and it doesn't matter whether you're a a you know a welder and you've had a you know a problem at work and you've got to if you're on if you're taking something for chronic pain and it's an opiate there's a good chance it's, if you have an addictive personality that, that can happen to you so um, this is a great alternative for it you know I mean I've I've no one's ever OD'd on weed and no one's ever you know so like well, you just got to make sure that you know, that you're managing the right strains, which is all government-controlled and regulated, and, and make sure that it's the right thing for you, and, and you know, and the consumption is limited to what you're, you know, what, what what's going to help you and not, you know, and not be counterproductive, and I think that's important to know. Chaser, you mentioned getting getting educated about, uh, again, the, the positive traits uh, of the drug. What what led you down the road? What was some of that motivation to to learn more about it? Well, one incident specifically was like kind of an eye-opener for me. But also, uh, I will tell you, I'm proud of the NHL because the NHL Alumni Association is the first sport in all of the major sports to um, collectively decide that they were going to do uh, you know, work with a company up in Canada where it's legal and, and try and get testing done for uh, medical marijuana to see how it helps. It could help players with chronic problems. So they signed a deal with Canopy. Unfortunately, the pandemic has not allowed them to get that that test moved forward very quickly. But they will do testing on on a hundred guys and and have given them the opportunity to see if this is something for them. But on my enlightenment came when I watched a young man with um, 
with a uh, uh, have epileptic uh, episodes, which they will, you know, they'll tell you. They call them episodes. And they were having the young man was having about four a day, um, which I mean is I'm sure very frightening for the child, but not you know, not only that, but the parents. You can imagine having to worry about that every day and found a specific strain, and that specific strain was able to um, help this young man have like four a month. That's a big swing, you know, and I was a part of, you know, watching this, you know, I mean, I, I, I was uh, at, at a place for getting, looking at alternative things from when I was going through what I was going through and, and was able to witness this, and I couldn't believe it. I was, I was blown away by it and they say you know and i and i thought well why why shouldn't this be available for this young guy why shouldn't it be available for his parents and um that's when it got me thinking a little bit more alternative and eastern european type of thought process when it comes to medicine and looking for other more natural alternatives and i mean like we see enough players right now that are having troubles and having their struggles right and uh and, 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 it, and it doesn't matter whether it's uh, psychological, whether it's sleep habits, whether it's chronic pain, whatever it is. Um, there's a lot of things that are attached to this game that, that, you know, that you take with you for the rest of your life. And, and most of it's good, but with the good comes a little bit of the bad and helping guys manage it is, uh, is important. And I think uh, it was a good eye-opener for me. So the facility Hippos is in Chesterfield Valley. How about is there a website for the, the entire business people can check out? Sure. I mean, you can go to the what you can go to it. It's just, just like it's spelled in the in Chesterfield. Um, it's a dispensary. Um, you can go in there. There's consultants in there. It's set up much like an Apple store. You'll come in. People are, are going to have a, an iPad there to talk to you. And if you need a consultation, there's a private room. If you don't feel com- comfortable, they'll help you set set you up and see if you qualify for a medical marijuana uh, card, which you're going to need to purchase anything. And you can sit in there, and they can, you know you can talk to them, and they'll talk to you about the strains and what what you know the uses of everything from ointments to edibles are for and, and they'll be able to help you out so um we think we think we're pretty proud of the fact that uh that um you know we've set it up very professionally and when you go in there you'll be i hope um pleasantly surprised at, at how professional and how how uh you know well we deliver the product and, and the information because and look at i mean I'm, I'm a novice when it comes to it even to this day and i've been involved in for whatever, however long it's taken, five, six years of this to, to get to this point. And I can tell you, uh, I learn something from them every day. I mean, we college education, uh, educated people running the, the grow facility, whether they're agronomists or biologists, and, and, and working extremely hard on trying to find stuff that helps people. So what was the dream when you were a kid? Porcupine Plains, Saskatchewan, I'm sure probably playing in the league for most kids there, but and I'm, I'm thinking about your life, you know, and this new chapter is fascinating. Along the way, you're best friends with Brett Hull and hanging with Wayne Gretzky, and you and Jack Buck are buddies. And, like, what was the dream then? And then look at it now, from then to now, how it's all played out. <laughs> well, I mean, I just wanted to play for the senior hockey team in town, first of all. Like, that, that was the big thing. The, the, the whole town would come out on the weekends to watch your team play, your senior team play. You know, sometimes they played two games a week. Sometimes it was a Thursday, Saturday, or a Saturday, Sunday. But normally it was once a week they would play, and and you would <clears throat> the whole community would come out to watch you. And I looked up to those players, you know, fathers of my friends that played, and I was like, man, if I could just play in front of these people, and then 
as you get older, you're following the guidance of the guys that were older than you that have had success. And Barry Melrose was, uh, you know, from where the area. And so he, you know, we all lived on farms and we, we just, we tried to do our best to, to try to emulate what he was doing, to watch him run, to ride the bike, to, you know, work out and train and, and then skating in the summers when we got artificial ice because we never had that. We never had ice in the, in the summers. And then, you know, we, we went to his hockey school and his kids and then we, we then we became instructors at his hockey school when we started playing junior hockey. We just wanted to follow him. So Joey Kosher and Yanni and Lane Lambert and, and Wendell Clark. And, like, we all were from that area. We Kevin Kaminsky, we just... You know, uh, we just we just wanted to watch and, and learn and absorb as much of it. And as guys started making it, as the older guys that were above us, Lane Lambert and Trent Yanni and, and, and Don Clark, Wendell's older brother, played in Saskatoon with the Blades, and Mike Blosky and these guys that was a goalie that was just like, you watch these guys and you say, okay, well, that's what I have to do. If they can do it, I can do it. I'm going to follow on what they, their lead was. And we gradually just evolved into this group of guys that, that hung around together from a town of a thousand people and like nine or 10 of us played pro hockey. And it was in the, so you drive into Kelvington where, where their little hometown where they went to school or got their mail, I guess on the farm, it says, welcome to Canada's hockey factory. You've got billboards of each of the guys. So, um, you know, we had a ball team back there that was consisted of all of those guys. So there was like 11 hockey players, this goat farmer, uh, who was one of our pitchers and, and our coach, and that was that, that was the whole team, and I think there was a thirty for thirty down on TSN. That it's called toughest team ever. But I remember playing on that team, and I mean, we played ball a little like we played hockey. We weren't afraid to, you know, if you got to lean a little in the, inside the base path. And uh, what was funny about it was, is uh, Jimmy McKenzie was on an interview, and he was talking about our hockey team and about where we all grew up and played ball together, and he said that wasn't a ball team or a hockey team. That was a work release program. <laughs> so so it, it was, it was pretty funny just uh, knowing what the reputation was. And we never thought nothing of it. We just, I mean, we never even thought about that reputation. We just, we hung around together every day. We, we got on the boat and skied and, you know, and, and, and tubing and skiing and, and played ball in the evenings and, you know, shot pucks all summer at the rink and, you know, during the day as we taught hockey school. And it was just like this thing that we, you know, a group of us did every summer together. And we, that was our that was our friend group of just trying to push each other to play in the NHL. Kelly Chase, our guest on the Legend Series here on KTRS, brought to you by Royal Banks. So the first time you stepped on the ice at the old arena, like I love the Blues game day now, the presentation's great, but there was something about the old barn, the smoke in the air, do you remember that yeah. first time on the arena ice when you're wearing the Blues jersey, you're in the NHL? Was there a moment yeah. of realization there? Well, I think my first realization came uh, in an exhibition game again. Now, I played, you know, I went to camp at Hartford, and I, you know, I as an yeah, 18-year-old, you know, and, and I could have played in the minors for them there. Uh, as a, you know, as I was turning 19, I could have played. I, I went back as a an overage in, in junior because I wasn't ready to play. It was, you know, there was man strength there. So my my entire kind of thought was when I was coming here, I just want to make an impact. I got this contract and I just want to make an impact. And I could have signed in a few different places because I wasn't drafted two years in a row. They forgot to call my name in the draft. So uh, I, I wasn't drafted. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to make him make my mark. You know, I'd learned a great lesson from Gordy Owen at Whaler's camp and the year before. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to make sure, you know, everybody knows who I am. And I, and I, uh, 
trying to do that. Twister, of course, was here with me or whatever. And But I went to Detroit. We, they told us, you guys are going to play one exhibition game before you go. You're going to go to Peoria. Pack up all your stuff. You and Twister coming with us to Detroit. we got one stop for you two guys before you go to the minors. And Brian Sutter said, we're going to go into Detroit. We've been pushed around there for the last few years, and it's going to stop. And you guys are going to be part of that solution. So we said, okay. So we packed up our bags at the hotel, and we got on the plane and flew to Detroit. Um, ended up in a couple of fights in that game, and um, Twister and I did. And, and then we went to Peoria, and I remember standing at center ice. I was wearing number 31. That's how much they believed in me. They thought they gave me the goalie's number. And uh, they, uh, I was standing at center ice, and Steve Eiserman was standing there. And I'll never forget it. I, I, I just... Like, my first game was against the Montreal Canadiens in regular season, and um, it should have been against Chicago Blackhawks, but I had a staph infection in my hand that didn't allow me to play, and I ended up having surgery, and I hit a kid, and they sewed up my hand with a tooth in it, and uh, I got this infection. So when I got to play that game in Detroit, I was standing there beside Steve Eiserman, and I couldn't believe I was I couldn't believe I was in Joe Louis Arena. And then when we got back to St. Louis, when I got called up the following year, and played and stayed in the NHL. I remember coming out on the ice a couple times and looking around. I just had this big smile on my face. First of all, you can imagine how crazy it sounds to be able to have to skate. Like, we're skating off the ice, and we're coming through. That was the opposing team zone. Like, why didn't we just take the other end of the ice, right? Like, we did everything ass backwards when it came to the how we, you know... So you, you went through, and so guys would purposely kind of miss the net as you were going off the ice, zing one around the boards and try to hit you in the feet. And, like, I remember looking around and just smiling, and there was that haze of smoke at the top. And sometimes you'd get in a fight, and you're going off the ice. You could barely catch your breath. And guys were patting you on the back, smoking a cigarette in the hallway. Because, you know, they could, in order to get to the locker room, you walk right through the people, right? smoking a cigarette, pack, great job, great, you know, person, and, you know, Chicago, this, and, and he's just, it's hard not to grin about it now when you think about how they try and separate the players from the, from the people now and try and give everybody this privacy and this, you know, it's a real task to get a peek behind the curtain, and, and back then it was like, you know, you're walking down the hallway trying to catch your breath, and some guy's blowing smoke in your face telling you how great a fight that was, you know, so, Hilarious. And you mentioned Peoria. You guys won a Turner Cup, right? Didn't you and Twister? You win with yeah. with Bobby as your coach. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We went down there in uh, third year, and then ended up getting called up, and we lose out, and we get sent back down for the for the Cup final, our Cup semifinals, and But um, maybe the closest group of hockey players. I mean, Saskatoon. There. I mean. You get some teams where it's really unique. I don't think there's anything like winning the bond between the guys that are here in St. Louis that won the couple. You can never break the bond they'll have for the rest of their lives. And I think that goes with every championship. You know, I've been fortunate. I was part of a lot of teams that won when I was younger, and I just thought that always was going to be the way it works. You just eventually win. So you go to Peoria for your second year, and then you win, and then you come to the NHL, and you're going to win. And that's not what happened. You know, because growing up, that's sort of how it worked. And even, you know, when we were done, we ran our St. Louis Bandits team and we had three national championships, three in a row. You know, Coop had two as a coach and Brownie had one. And, and you and you know, we built the team to win championships. That's what we were thinking we were going to do in the NHL and it never worked out that way. And 
So winning in Peoria was a big deal. And like, I look back at it, it's a bigger deal to me now than it was then. Because then I was like, you know, sh- you know, shit, we're going to do this every year. This is how I'd look at it, right? Like, I look at it like that's, that's what we're supposed to do, right? But so naive to think that that could happen all the time. And it just doesn't. It just doesn't. Those guys that win and win a lot, there's something to be said about their character and their savvy because, you know, like I used to think I was a part of that and then not winning in the NHL as a player certainly dampers your, you know, your feeling, I guess, invincibility, but also like, hey, I know what I'm doing here. It's really hard to do it and at any level. So any championship you win is special. But the fact we were down there with that group, I think we had 16 guys in the NHL off that team the next year. Chaser, it's obviously a source of pride to to be uh, to be a player in the National Hockey League. Was was there an additional source of pride for you to be considered an, an NHL tough guy? I never looked at it like that. You know, look, I looked at it like I think I've always been a guy that would stand up for my team or my companions or my fellow employees or whatever it was like I'm extremely proud to be a part of the blues I'm extremely proud to have played the way I played but I always took a a lot of pride in the fact that I was going to stand up for my teammates and I was going to you know play with a certain amount of bite to my game so guys knew they couldn't take advantage of my teammates um but I never really thought about it as being you know extra special because I had that role I always I just wanted to be one of the guys, but I also wanted I also wanted my teammates to have a little bit of sense of comfort to know that they weren't going to be taken advantage of. I think one of the prouder moments, um, I mean, obviously Holly said it almost to nausea, that, that, you know, how grateful he is for Twister and I, and we appreciate it. I feel kind of awkward sometimes when he talks about the success and, and gives, you know, guys like us a little bit of the credit and says it's because of those guys. But I remember Pavel Dimitra doing an interview one time and he was playing, I think at the time in Vancouver and saying, you know, I just basically, he said, I just, uh, they asked, you know, like you had a great career and yada, yada, yada. And what are you thinking? And he said, I just remember playing in St. Louis and it was the greatest time of my life because I knew no one was going to touch me because we had twist and chase. And, you know, it was an unexpected time when he said it in an interview that I was watching live and I was like, wow, you know, like, that's pretty cool that a guy that's put up the points and had the success that he had would say that about a couple guys that were, you know, just journeyman guys trying to make sure they had a sense of comfort. And you hear that out of your teammates, you're like, wow, you know, he's playing on another team and he's played on one prior to, to that before he went to, like, I think he was in L.A. and then and then uh, Vancouver. But And he said that about us from four or five years ago you know, wow, that's special to me. Um, that's what you strive for. That's what makes you proud is to be able to say that your, your, your teammates that didn't play the way you played appreciated the room that you gave them. I remember a night out in Detroit. I was lucky enough. I'm with Twist and Chase. I remember I turned to Twist and I said, I have never felt tougher in my life. And he said, yeah, but if he and I go to the bathroom at the same time, you're getting your ass kicked, okay? And I said, <laughs> <laughs> understood. I'm wondering how many times out, especially you guys are young guys, you're the toast of the town playing for the Blues. 
did people try and take you on at the bar? Were people drunk guys? Hey, you know, how often did that happen in your life? Well, it happens every once in a while. It happened, you know, like it used to be funny because like sometimes when it happened, it wouldn't be like they would have no knowledge either and they would start shooting their mouths off and you'd be like, listen, you know, we're good at this. So just, you know, smarten up. And I never, although I will tell you one time, and it's funny, so I'm going to throw a plug out there. Um, my friend Johnny Harris is opening Humphreys again, okay? Him and Sarah are going to, they're, they're redoing it, and it's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm, glad you're, you know, I'm glad you're bringing this up because everybody's buzzing about it, but nobody knows what the hell's going on. So it's actually happening. This is huge. We're breaking oh, news yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. It's happening. So we were in Humphreys about two weeks before, um, two weeks before, uh, training camp. I'm in there with Shanahan, one of my friends I played junior with, who was going to school here, and, and I'm with Twister. And and at the time, my girlfriend, who was on a first date to St. Louis with me, and who happens to be my wife now, so she stuck around after this incident. Either way, but we were uh, in there, and I asked to play some Garth Brooks, and Bobby Gray was running the bar, and he's behind the bar, and he said, "Oh." Okay, what do you want to know? I said, can we put on some country? So what do you want to listen to Garth Brooks? And this guy yells down at me something about this country music, this. And so I ignore him. He comes over to me. He goes, you put this shit on? And I'm, I kind of just said, hey, hey, listen, you know, what do you put on whatever you want to listen to? I'm trying to ignore him. I'm trying to make good with this with this girl. I think I got a chance, right? And, um, I, you know, so I'm talking of what is my wife now. And, we're and all of a sudden this guy pushes me and said, hey, I'm talking to you. I said, hey, man, what are you doing? And all of a sudden, wham, he, he hits me. And I'm like, I don't, so as soon as he hits me, the whole bunch of guys jump up. Of course, I react and hit this guy. And Twist grabs me, and he lifts me off the ground because he's so damn strong. And he's got me, my back to his chest, and he pins me against the wall face first. And goes, what are you doing, bud? We got camp in like two weeks, or we got camp in a week, whatever. Well, I don't remember the exact timing of it. And just then this guy <laughs> cracks twist in the ear. And he puts me down and it looked like literally like roadhouse in there. Like he he just went we went through that pile of guys, Shanahan, me, of course, you know, no phones. So me, Shanahan, my buddy Curtis Chamberlain, Bino, and uh and Twister. Oh. And the police came and they they were handcuffing everybody on the floor to one another and they were gracious enough to send us downstairs until everything quieted down and basically they wanted to know who wanted to press charges and and one of their guys wanted to press charges and 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 the police were like are you sure because obviously you know you don't have a lot of friends in this was a rugby team from kansas city that it was in town you see you don't have a lot of friends going here by the look of it here in this place and you know, by the sounds of it, you guys were the instigators, and you're sure you. And these guys were all yelling at one guy to shut his mouth. We're not pressing charges. We're not. We just want to get out of here. That's all we want. And so that's one of the stories that really no one ever come out with. You never made it out. I've never. I mean, usually something happens, and the story gets bigger and bigger and bigger and better. And all of a sudden, I read about it in the Riverfront Times. I'm like, well, that's kind of close. But if that's the story everyone wants to tell, now that's funny. But it was. It was. It was legit this time. And Twister. Uh, you did not want to get him mad, but the fact that him and I and Shanahan, who's one of the toughest guys that ever wore the blue note, and my buddy from Saskatchewan, we're all in the place at the same time. Like, you could pick a better foursome if you actually wanted to start trouble in St. Louis. <laughs> that was a bad deal for these guys. That rugby team, I don't know how the hell they played the next day, but boy, did they get a licking.
<laughs> All right, and back to Humphrey. So it, this is happening. They're, what, like renovating now? I mean, maybe not penny pitchers. We've heard of inflation, maybe dollar pitchers, but it's going to come yeah. back? Oh, yeah, it's coming back, man. I was in there today. I went by to say hello and see if they were making awesome. progress, and they're working extremely hard in there, and they're – uh, renovation and they're they're going to have it up and going. I mean, it's awesome, and I'm so happy for them that you know they've they've uh, Johnny, of course, used to manage any guns, and then had a place out in the, out in St. Charles and GP Fields, and you know he's he's put together a lot of things that he's done really well. So this will be another adventure for him, um, and he'll he'll do great. And look, we'll we'll certainly help. We know Lord knows the hockey players spend enough time in there. Chaser, I have to ask you about uh, winning the the King Clancy. Memorial Trophy uh, for your charitable work when, when you won it uh, in the in the '98 season. What did that mean to you? Well, it's I, I mean, listen, it's extremely special. First of all, you know, it's an it's a it's a league award. It's a league, you know, it when it it's a major award. And what's funny about it is the Blues. We had to do a little. Uh, I can tell this story now, but we had to do a little um, arbitration hearing because uh, I had a fifty thousand. I mean, you know, they put all these bonuses. Oh, we put bonuses, and we gave you, a, you know, three hundred thousand dollars more you can make in bonuses. And one of them is, is like, if you win the Hart Trophy, you get a hundred grand. Well, like, there's a pretty good chance I'm not going to win the Hart Trophy, but they put <laughs> in this contract any major awards you win, you get fifty thousand dollars. Well, when I won the King Clancy, my agent called and told Larry Plow, "Hey, you, you know, you guys." They're like, whoa, that's not a major award. And they're like, well, of course it is. And so they had this big debate going back and forth. And I was kind of chuckling about it because, you know, my agent, of course, you know, I said, look, we gotta, we got to get another contract here. So let's not, you know, let's not burn the bridge. But it was pretty funny. We negotiated it so that they had to give a check to the Gateway Special Hockey Team for $25,000. And that was you know, uh, in, you know, so they they could use the write off, and I didn't I didn't actually put anything in my pocket, but it was a great thing, unexpected, and I get so much credit for this for the program when there's so many people that did so many things, and obviously the award was given to me individually, but it was the award for a lot of people that have done a lot of work to build that program. I mean, when that program started, uh, USA Hockey did not want to ensure the kids right they didn't want to insure them and they didn't want to give them an opportunity to play if they had special needs they were you know they saw call the special olympics and we're like well no this is not a special olympics thing this is a skating every day and we need insurance so at the time they didn't want to insure these kids so i said listen either you're going to insure them or i'm going to go to the media and at the time it wasn't like it is now i mean i could send out a, a tweet now and everybody'd be have a news story whereas then you had to really create a buzz by calling and making some you had to do some interviews and talk to people and say, hey, this is actually what's going on. And um, I believe that, uh, I, I believe Mike Bush did, ended up doing, this, I think, the original story on it. And then next thing you know, Joan London's coming down from New York and doing a story. And as soon as that happens, of course, USA Hockey say, whoa, 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 wait a second. We want to insure all these kids. We, we, we want to take care of them. And, the, and the, the thing that's awesome about it, more so than anything now, is is that, you know, there's there's uh, programs in well in almost every major city where there's an NHL team, but in lots of others that there isn't. So, they, that team was the first uh, handicapped hockey team in the United States or a special needs team in the United States, and that team is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And um, I'm proud of the award, but I have to tell you, there's a lot of people that deserve a chunk of it because I happen to be the guy standing up there accepting it. Uh, um, but there was a lot of people that did a lot of work. 
Right. Here's the thing: is we wind it down with Chase. The thing I love is like he could walk into the dive bar in Afton and they could be drinking Bush Light all day, or he could walk into the MAC and order in Manhattan. I mean, he's he could slide into all these different areas. So I'm not going to do quick hits because Cusimano will sue me. But I'm going to mention <laughs> I want to mention a few names. You just give me like a thought that comes to mind, okay? How about uh, okay. Mike Shannon? What comes to mind immediately is um, epic uh, hunting. Like I, I will go, I will go anywhere and hunt with Mike Shannon. I'll go anywhere and fish with Mike Shannon. I, I, I can't tell you how much I love the guy and how much, how much fun I've had with it, with that that man, especially up in Canada. And, and, and is, is there a short version of? Didn't he? He kicked a guy off the island once, and 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 you said the guy had the plane, and Mike goes, "I'll find another one." Right? Is that it? Yeah, he flew. They said they were leaving, and he finally said, all right, go ahead. I don't care. And, you know, he had a few choice words in there and turned around. I'm like, well, how are we getting home? He goes, don't worry about it, big boy. Sure enough, two days later, there's a guy with a shotgun shows up to hunt. He owns a plane. He hunts for two days with us, and we fly home in his plane. It was awesome. He's the best, man. He's the best. He, you know, he, he, he has, I could tell you stories. I love being around a man. I, as a matter of fact, I texted him last night to see if he could make lunch today, and uh, obviously he, he, we didn't get together. But um, but I, I love him. Garth Brooks, special human being. Um, you know, you mentioned something. Earlier. It's it's weird. Like I mean, the fact that I that I know a few of these guys just blows me away because that's not how I didn't grow up thinking. Hey, you know, you're going to be on the board for the Garth Brooks Foundation, but. He does so much for so many people, and and he doesn't even he doesn't look for credibility. He doesn't look for, you know, a pat on the back. He just does his thing. But he has a way. He's like Wayne Gretzky. He makes you feel special every time you're around him. You'd feel like, like he's in tune talking to you. Whether he's talking to my kids and saying, "Will, let's get a picture," and you know, p- put his arm around him and take pictures, making a face because Will's late for the pictures or whatever. You know, like it just it's something. But I, I can tell you, like I remember being at his studio in Nashville two years ago and everyone left and uh, you know, we had this meeting and he goes, come on, hang on, hang around. I want to show you something. And he goes, you've been back here. And then he shows me his studio that was built. And then he starts talking about all these artists that have performed there and goes last week, kiss was in here. And he goes, they were performing and Gene Simmons. And he goes, and so Simmons is standing over here and he starts to, he takes the guitar out and he starts ripping off some song Detroit Rock City or something that Gene Simmons is playing. He goes, Paul Stanley standing over here, and he's got all these angles of the way the sound bounces off the studio walls, and he's going, so he's playing this, and then he goes over the piano, and he goes, so if they were, so here's how you layer it, and he's talking to me, and I mean, I want to take my phone out and, video, like, who's going to believe this? I'm, I'm in Garth Brooks' studio, and he's singing Kiss, and then he's singing an Elton John song playing the piano, and he's showing me how all of this stuff is layered on these tracks, and I'm like, this is unbelievable. First of all, what am I doing in here? I got to pinch myself. And secondly, like the fact that he can do what he can do, like he's he's the Babe Ruth of country music, right? Like, and as far as entertaining wise, and you're just like mind blowing. But he has a real sense of how to take care of people. Nothing gets by the man, and so him and Trisha are wonderful people, and I'm grateful that I've been been able to be a you know a friend and acquaintance. How about Chris Kerber, your broadcast partner all those years? I, I think he's getting screwed, to be honest with you. He should be on national TV with those pipes. Honest to God, I believe that. I've worked with – I've done national TV. I've worked on TV since I, since I left the game, whether it was 
starting with ESPN and NBC and whatever, whatever we were, Outdoor Channel and every other thing you could imagine. Versus. Network. <laughs> Versus, yeah, that was another one, check. Uh, I am telling you right now, he's as good a call as anyone in the league. And I mean, and as prepared, and he can manage, he can manage the ship. I mean, like, you can put him into situations in speaking engagements or in, um, you know, speaking engagements and maybe even in uh, um, managing a show. He could go do a broadcast of a soccer game or, or a baseball game, and you wouldn't know that he hadn't, or even if he feels uncomfortable, you know, you wouldn't be able to tell. And, I mean, to me, that's so, so special to be able to do that, to be able to, 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 be able to figure out how you can, you know, manage a, a I want to say assignment, but manage any sort of a situation in publicly and then pull it off. I mean, he's great at it. You do a great job of that stuff, too. His call is as good as anyone I've heard. How about Mike Keenan? I don't have anything to say about him. <laughs> Look, man, he was he went about his, you know, we get older, we forgive people for their stupidity, and we've all had our own acts of it. So um, Mike's was energy was I think he was trying to win, and his arrogance got in the way of it a bit. And so, you know, that's unfortunate. But at the end of the day, I'm back in St. Louis. I finished my career with them. I, I am fortunate to be a St. Louis Blue and, and be a part of the organization and the way we're treated by by the ownership group with Tom and Zimmerman. Chris treats us awesome. So does, you know, Chapman. Like, we, we, there's no complaints of our alumni around here. I mean, if you're complaining, you're in the wrong place. They treat you well. And Brett Hull, the one and only. Man, I don't know. That'll be a big hole in my life if he wasn't around. I tell you what, I just if I if you need a laugh or you need it, like I can just, you know, obviously imitating him is funny. You know, people talk about it all the time. You know, you're imitating Holly, and they're laughing about it, and I say to them all the time, like, hey, listen, I'm not positive. I'm not positive of what he's going to say, but I'm 99% sure I can tell you what he's going to say before he says it. I, I, I've heard some, I've heard some of the greatest lines. I mean, I, I tell this story about when he pulled up to the ramp to come down the ramp and they had got the dogs, um, checking the cars and so on and so forth. And they up, updated the security at the, at the enterprise. And we pulled up to the back ramp and this guy leans in the window and looks at Brett. He goes, can I help you? And Brett goes, I don't think so. And the guy goes, are you, are you with the blues? He goes, I am the damn blues. And he drives down the ramp, leaves this cop standing there with a guard dog and rips right down the ramp into the garage. And people, you can see everybody's in a panic on these little headsets and they're talking in their sleeves and, I mean, I'm dying laughing, right? We get out of the car. He's like, Jesus. And he, you know, he gets out of the car and he, everyone's like looking and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of laughing because I'm like, you know, I could, I've seen this a thousand times. And so, and so when he got in the car, got out of the car, the guy was like, hey, it's Brett Hall, it's Brett Hall. And I hear the guy at the top of the ramp, oh no, am I fired? I hear it on the uh, over the guy's shoulder on his mic, and he and they they are all, we're all laughing about it. But I mean, he just had a reaction to everything. Can I help you? I don't think so. I mean, just like I built this place a year. What do you mean? You know, it was so great. It was it was just. I mean, it was sheer comedy with him around, and I love. Him. I talked to him this morning for about an hour, and we were dying laughing about a couple things that happened. 
you know, he'll bring up some name for some player that, and he tries to pretend a little bit too that he's playing it off like I haven't watched the game, which isn't true. And he can watch the game for a few minutes and he understands it at a level that most of us will never get to. So um, sometimes he's dumb like a fox. He tries to portray it like he's not paying attention, but don't be uh, and don't 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 be misguided by him. He's he's a, he's an intelligent human being. The one and only Kelly Chase. Check out the dispensary Hippos Medical Marijuana in the Chesterfield Valley right next to Espino's. When you make your list of former players or St. Louis, quote, celebs that you would want to have a beer with or just hang out with and tell stories, Kelly Chase is near the top of that list. I just love the connections over the years. I mean, hanging with Mike Shannon, Charlie Spoonard, Jack Buck, and now years later still palling around with Brett Hull. I mean, how about the guy saying, can I help you? No, you can't. And I can just hear Brett's voice saying it that exact way. Great stories from Kelly Chase. Uh, he's got a million of them. I mean, we could we could probably go four hours just telling so many stories. But a lot of fun to catch up with him. The Kilquin Conversation, as always, at scoopswithdannymack.com, the great website run by the Cardinals broadcaster. And you can find all of these segments as well on Spotify and iTunes. We encourage you to subscribe. That way all of the segments are delivered directly to you. Thanks to all of our great sponsors for the past couple of years, really. B&G Tuck Pointing. Make that brick home look new again. BG BGTuckPointing.com or 363-0525. Find out why they are the best in the bricks. Triad Bank, St. Louis-based bank, second location. Boy, that's got to be opening soon. I've been talking about it for a while. Jim Woodcock wants to know, what are they opening there? You've been talking about it. I think it's soon. It's going to be on Olive Road, just west of 270. They are expanding because they're treating their customers right. Triad Bank, neighborhood friendly bank. Great people. They really are. Appliance discounters in time for the holidays. You still got time. Get in there, order that washer, dryer, refrigerator, stove. They'll get it delivered to you in days. There's no waiting around. There's no messing around when it's appliance discounters. The appliance discounters. And Marie de Villa, Senior Living. I always tell you to go to the website. People might say, well, how do you spell Marie de Villa? It's M-A-R-I-D-E-V-I-L-L-A, mariedevilla.com. Since 1960, the premier spot, West County, for your senior years. Villa Estates, living on the campus there in your own home, assisted living, all levels of care at a great spot. It is Marie de Villa senior living. All right. Thanks for checking out this Kelly Chase interview. We've got a couple of more. We've got some good ones coming. A couple more before the calendar year ends. And as always, I encourage folks to go back. If you miss some things, all of the segments are evergreen, meaning the topics typically hold up. The Bob Costas interview, the John Shaw interview. I think I mentioned this the other day when we were talking to Ozzie Smith. If you go back and find some of our previous segments, you're on an airplane ride or got a long car ride, uh, a number of these hold up, you know, because they're not about the game the night before or the home run they hit that afternoon. We rarely do uh, segments like that. So ch- thanks for checking us out. I'm Martin Kilquin. We'll talk again soon.